Welcome to On Mission, the teaching ministry of the Mission Church in Irvindale. We exist to love God by loving others, leading them to become fully functioning followers of Christ Jesus. Join Pastor Mike as he teaches through the Gospel of Luke. The kingdom is where a king rules and reigns, where everything uh, is as he deems it should be. It is that scope of place where his authority is unquestioned and his will is always done. So to say that Jesus proclaimed the kingdom of God is to say that he was constantly delivering a message that communicated what life, what life would be like under his rule and reign. The prophet Isaiah received information, revelation about the kingdom of God. We find that in Isaiah chapter 61. And then in Jesus' ministry, we find him referencing that very passage and reading it to a group gathered at the synagogue in Nazareth in Luke chapter 4. We've already covered that. And do you remember what happened to Jesus after he proclaimed Isaiah 61 to the people there? Do you remember what happened? What happened was this, that after it dawned on them that he was actually there claiming to be the fulfillment of that prophecy, that they angrily grabbed him, dragged him out of the synagogue, and tried to throw him over a cliff. Kingdom, the message of the kingdom is not always a peaceful message. It wasn't in Nazareth that day. But you know, I really don't understand that because honestly, the message of the kingdom is a very positive message. The message of the kingdom is this message that the gospel delivers the spiritually poor from their poverty. It is a message that talks about the brokenhearted being healed. It is a message that declares that captives who have been ravaged by sin and death will be delivered. It is a message that the blind will receive their sight. Praise God. It is a message that those who are oppressed will be set at liberty. And it is a message about the acceptable year of the Lord. And how his work will go forth without impedance. It's a very positive message. But what those people in Nazareth could not stomach, and this was their opinion, this was their thought, not mine. They couldn't get past the idea that this illegitimate son of Joseph and Mary had the gall to say that he was the fulfillment of that revelation. They couldn't get past that. And so they turned their hearts and their minds and their backs to it. Truth point number two says that the message of deliverance from eternal condemnation to eternal life is part of Jesus's proclamation. But again, the message is bigger than that. It is a message of the restoration of all creation from sin's curse and the installment of Jesus as king to ensure that it never goes off track again. That is the bigger, broader message of the kingdom of God. And this is the message that Jesus came proclaiming. He charged his first generation disciples with taking that message to the world. And he charged them also to teach subsequent generations of disciples to proclaim that message as well. Therefore, because that message is so important, I believe that we have to ask ourselves this question. Both as the mission church and individually as followers of Jesus. As we bring Christ to our world, do we bring 
the fullness of the message of the kingdom of God to people? Or do we limit our message to being just about heaven and hell? From my vantage point, it seems like we typically just talk about heaven and hell, how to get away from hell and how to get into heaven. And that's an important message, and that is part of his message, but it's a bigger message than just that. Can we afford to only take part of the message, or are we called to take the whole message to those around us? Well, as we look at at all the verses here, which is easy to do because it's just three, what we find when we look at the three verses here collectively is that Jesus chose not to do ministry alone. What we find in the passage here is that he invited others, both men and women, to join him in his mission. This past year, you heard Brett talk about uh, man-to-man, and several of us were part of a man-to-man group. I hope that you'll come out this coming Saturday and find out what we're going to be doing this coming year. But those of you who are part of it last year remember the study that we did about the men that Jesus entrusted his mission to. And the main thing that we discovered as we looked at those men was that there was a word that described them, and that word is ordinary. The men that Jesus called to himself, the men that he tasked with taking his message to the world were ordinary men, fishermen and a tax collector, a political zealot, a doubter, a skeptic, a traitor, not the kind of Men you want to assemble if you're trying to be successful in your quest. Furthermore, we find in this passage that despite the cultural norms of the day, and the cultural norms of that day relating to women was that their value was primarily domestic. Despite the fact of that cultural norm, we find Jesus inviting women to join his mission as well. And here in this passage, Luke names three of them. The first one he talks about is Mary Magdalene, and he tells us that she was a woman who was possessed by seven demons. I don't even, I don't even, I don't even know how to understand that. Can you imagine being possessed by seven demons? And that's her life before she met Jesus. So definitely she is one that he talked about back there in Nazareth who was oppressed, who was captive and needed to be set free. And he did set her free. He cast all seven of those devils out of her and returned her to her right mind and to right standing with God. You know, many people have tried to pin the words immoral woman on Mary Magdalene. But honestly, as I look through the passage and look through the gospels, I don't find any evidence of that. If you're wondering what the word Magdalene means, it's not her last name. It wasn't Mrs. Magdalene. Uh, It's not a surname, but it was a word that identified her village of origin. She was from Magdala. And so they called her Mary Magdalene. There were several Marys in Jesus' entourage, and this would have identified which Mary? The one who's from Magdala. He mentions Joanna. And Joanna here is identified as the wife of Cusa, who is a high-ranking official under Herod Antipas's governorship. We know that he plays a large role in these these years of Jesus's ministry. And uh, this uh, Cusa is likely the manager of Antipas's estate, so he has a a very high uh, uh, position. 
But somehow, some way, the gospel, the message of the kingdom, got through the gates of Antipas's house, got past his displeasure in such a message, and found its way to Joanna's heart. And she became a believer. She became a follower. And as we think about Joanna, one of the things that that occurs to me is that her inclusion here and this little bit of history we know about her tells us that the kingdom of God cannot be limited. It reaches into the most unlikely places and it reaches the most unlikely people right where they are. We need to have the confidence in our own heart and in our own mind that the gospel that we represent and the gospel that we share It goes, and it goes into places we could never imagine, and it touches hearts that we could never imagine that it would touch, and it changes lives in ways that are unimaginable as well. And then we find mentioned this woman named Susanna. What do we know about Susanna? Nothing. (laughs) All we know is that Jesus knew her, we know that the disciples knew her. We, knew, we know that the other women that are mentioned there, unnamed women, they knew her. I guess for Susanna, it's just enough to say that she was a servant of the kingdom of God, that she was attached to Jesus Christ. Now, from this um, little part here where we see something about the ministers, those who Jesus called alongside of him to minister with him. I derive this truth point. Truth truth point number three tells us that the work of the kingdom is not advanced by the best and the brightest, but through ordinary and least according to the world's standards. Let's look at that for just a moment. The work of the kingdom is not advanced by the best and the brightest, but through the ordinary and the least, both ordinary and least being defined by the world's standards. God's glory and power are displayed as he redeems and empowers the least likely to advance his mission. You say, Pastor Mike, do you include yourself in that group? Are you uh, ordinary? Are you the least? Absolutely. If you only knew, if you only knew who I am, if you only knew about my past if you only understood how unlikely I am to, to serve any church or to stand on any platform and speak the word of God, if you only knew, I know, my parents know, my sister knows. Connie doesn't even fully know, but she knows part of it. If you only knew, I represent ordinary, I represent the least. And if he's calling you into his kingdom, you do too according to the world's definition of what is really great. I want you to take note of 1 Corinthians chapter, six, uh, chapter 1, verses 26 through 29. The Apostle Paul addresses this issue beautifully. Look at it with me if you would. Verse 26, he says, For consider your calling, brothers, sisters would be included. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. And why does God do that? He does that so that no human being might boast in his presence. I cannot afford to 
to boast. I cannot afford to have pride in me. The Lord has already shaken my tree several times to let me know about that. I will stand here and tell you that if he didn't give me everything that I need, I would have nothing to give you. I wouldn't be able to serve. And it's all to his glory, and it's all to his praise. And that's exactly what he's looking for. It's for people who are available, people who are willing to trust him. I wonder, as I look at all four of these sections, have you ever found yourself doubting whether or not you have what it takes to serve God in his kingdom? Have you ever, have you ever wondered that and just doubt? I, I, I really, it's for somebody else. It's not for me because I'm just so lowly. I just, I just don't have any gifts. I don't have any abilities. I'm just, I'm just scared of my shadow. Can I assure you that if you're having those kind of thoughts, you are the exact kind of person God is tapping for ministry of some type? Because he's not looking for those who are sufficient in themselves. Those who are sufficient in themselves, those who think they've got it licked, need not apply. It is those who know that they don't, but are willing to trust his sufficiency to make it work. Those are the kind of men and women that he's always calling to come alongside and to serve his purposes. This is On Mission. The Mission Church is located at 12001 Ridgemont Drive in Urbandale. To learn more about our ministry, visit our website at themissiondsm.org or call us at 515-255-2122. We gather for worship each Sunday at 10 a.m. We would be honored for you to join us. Have a blessed day, and thank you for listening to On Mission. On Mission.